You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you as always for joining us. A lot to talk about. Rising tyranny here in the United States and to the north in Canada. Uh, Major developments to talk about there. Another smear campaign against Donald Trump. I'll expose the lies. Two new lawsuits, one on the immigration crisis and the lawlessness associated with that by the Biden administration, and then two on the COVID vaccines and the gamesmanship that's been going on with the corrupt FDA. First up is the rising tyranny here at home and then abroad in Canada with the trucker protests. You've been following the news, I'm sure, about the protests in Canada by Canadians fed up with the tyranny in Canada related to COVID lockdowns and mandates. And you've had this organic trucker movement of uh, truckers and their families and their supporters who are advocating for freedom and liberty in the face of mandates that are constraining their ability to earn a living and put food on their table. So what has been the response of the government in Canada? Well, first it was uh, it was quiet, uh, but they've been increasing uh, increasingly ratcheting up the effort to uh, tamp down this civic protest. And it involves sometimes civil disobedience, which the left has told us is the highest form of protest. When you engage in civil disobedience to protect your civil liberties in the face of government tyranny. Well, if you're on, that's only if you're on one side of the philosophical divide. If you're on the wrong side of the philosophical divide, you're terrorists and insurrectionists, which is what they're calling these truckers. I'm not aware of any major, I mean, they're other than the civil disobedience and blocking roadways, which understandably is disruptive and concerning to authorities there. Uh, But they're not engaged in violence. They're not engaged in the massive rioting and looting and burning of buildings that you saw during the uh, uh, the summer of 2020 and beyond uh, with the violent left here in the United States. You have the Biden administration encouraging, practically speaking, the Canadian government to use force to crack down on these protesters seeking to vindicate their civil liberties. You have the Canadian government... uh, both at the federal and provincial level, suggesting that people will lose their livelihoods and be punished in ways that, you know, you would have to be in China to face similar types of punishment for protesting in a political context like what is going on now. You have the governor of Michigan, the Democrat governor of Michigan, offering to send state resources to a foreign country to help suppress demonstrations there. And uh, with the justification being there's a bridge, uh, a significant uh, thoroughfare between Canada and the United States as it goes into Michigan, uh, that as uh, the traffic had been disrupted there for a time. So the transnational progressives hate uh, anyone who opposes them, and they use the powers of government improperly to try to target any opposition. And in the case of Canada, they're changing the laws on the go, it seems like, declaring, for instance, a state of an emergency in Ottawa. So something that had been lawful all of a sudden becomes unlawful. And they're threatening to put people in jail for up to a year for not only impeding traffic, but impeding a sidewalk. So that's the state of play in Canada. 
But it's not just in Canada do we have to worry about the government seeing its people as the enemy. It's happening here in the United States with the Biden administration. Ever since January 6th, the left that controls the Biden administration has seen um, the January 6th events as an excuse and pretext to target anyone who opposes Biden's agenda or the agenda generally of, as I say, the transnational left, the extremist left. And they've suggested more or less that if you want election security and had concerns about what happened in the elections, you're a criminal. If you object to COVID shutdowns and lockdowns and abuses and mandates, you're a criminal. And it's no exaggeration to say they now think that you're a terrorist potentially if you object to these types of uh, uh, these types of problems, elections, the attack on election security and the attack on our liberties as a result of these senseless COVID lockdowns. The DHS has been issuing these threats to the homeland bulletins, National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. And this is what this bulletin says. While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape, they're talking about terrorism here, have not significantly changed over the last year. And by the last year, they mean January 6th. The convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. Number one, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. So the Biden administration has officially said that if you, quote, issue misleading narratives which undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions, like according to the left, that's what Judicial Watch does 24-7. That's what big tech uses as an excuse to censor tens of millions of Americans, including yours truly. You're a terrorist. Key factors contributing to the Current heightened threat environment include the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. For example, there is widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021. Now, I'm not quite sure what extremist attacks they're talking about. They're probably thinking about January 6th. That was a riot, was an extremist attack. I don't know if there were uh, uh, one-off violent activities that took place since then. But how do you read that or hear that and not conclude They think if you are supporting election integrity, question what happened in 2020 and object to the government propaganda and government strictures on COVID-19, you're considered a threat, a terrorist threat. False or misleading. By whose standard is this false or misleading? The left wing fact checkers? Lying Anthony Fauci? Lying Joe Biden? Lying Mariarchus, who heads, heads DHS, who is completely capitulated 
to the extremist left. You want to talk about extremism, it's the extremist in control of our government that's undermining the rule of law and contributing to the distrust of government institutions. That's the extremism we need to worry about. So you may be aghast at what's happening in Canada, but here you have an official government document out of the Biden administration that essentially is threatening half of the American, uh, American people with being treated like terrorists for objecting to mask mandates and raising questions about the origin of COVID. These are dangerous times. As I keep on saying, our republic is under attack. In fact, that's the title of my latest book. For Judicial Watch, our republic, our republic under attack. You, as we talked about recently, last week, the Biden administration is assaulting the First Amendment, encouraging corporations to uh, censor Americans like Joe Rogan, like, like everyone who opposes their agenda. The veil's been lifted. They don't even believe in these core constitutional civil liberties enshrined in the Constitution, which be even outside the Constitution are God-given, our right to speech. And Judicial Watch is not going to be intimidated. We're going to keep on suing. We're going to keep on educating. We're going to keep on litigating. We're going to keep on investigating elections, COVID, Biden corruption, attacks on our civil liberties by the Biden administration and other deep state actors, defending the rule of law, defending the United States Constitution. And in the meantime, our political leadership here in Washington, D.C. is completely out to lunch on it. We know where one party stands because their party controls the Congress and the presidency. But where's the leadership of the other party? There are some voices out there that understand the crisis, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that. And of course, they've been excised and banned and, and censored. Exiled, I should say, not excised. Mitch McConnell, he doesn't understand any of this. In some ways, he has contempt and shares the concerns that DHS is putting out here. There's this, there's this attack on those who disagree with the big government agenda. And it's nothing new. It just gets worse and worse. In 2010, you had the rise of the Tea Party movement. And what was the reaction of the government to it? Suppression through the IRS, the FBI, and other government agencies with the support of Congress. And it helped ensure, in part, Obama's re-election by suppressing the Tea Party using the IRS. 2016 comes along. You had the rise of Trump and, and that associated movement that offended the establishment. They came up with this smear operation targeting him and his supporters. 2020. 
Everyone who has concerns about election integrity is a threat to the public interest, threat to democracy. It keeps on happening. And they and, and it always, you know, they, they for the left, you can't oppose them in good faith. If you oppose them, they think of ways to put you in jail or intimidate you and, and suppress you improperly. It happens time and time again. And it's happening again. And we're going to call it out. I mean, with Trump, it never stopped. It, I mean, it probably began in 2015, practically speaking. Now this week, there's been this big smear campaign, and you know, let's talk about this information, about his White House records. The theory is he had White House records that he took with him, presidential records, illegal, improper, that he would, he would tear up documents while he read them. He'd do this. Oh, Lord, they say, that's a violation of the law. It isn't. Anyone who says they're an expert and says it is, either doesn't know what they're talking about or is being dishonest. Judicial Watch has litigated these issues for two decades. We understand how the, quote, Presidential Records Act operates. Heck, we sued uh, the National Archives, which handles presidential records after a president leaves office, because Bill Clinton had dozens of tapes that he had indicating government activity where he was talking to foreign leaders, the sorts of things that were kind of core presidential records potentially. And we sued and the court looked at our lawsuit, left-wing judge, and said, go pound sand. This is what the George judge found. Because I'm, I'm reading you this because you're seeing online, or maybe you haven't, maybe you ignore the left, and I hope you do. Uh, but they're trying, to process, they're trying to gin up a prosecution against Trump over these issues. So the theory is that Trump is not allowed to manage his White House records, presidential records, and that's not the law. It doesn't make sense that would be the law because he's the president. He gets to decide which records he wants to keep and which records should be kept for, uh, keep as personal versus which should be kept for posterity under the Presidential Records Act. He's the decider. It's his records. Under the statutory scheme, this is the judge applying again, the Supreme Court and um, the circuit precedent, DC circuit precedent. Under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in his sole discretion. Since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal A presidential records during his time in office, it would be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considers to be his personal records. The PRA contains no provision obligating or even permitting the archivist to assume control over records that the president categorized and filed separately as personal records. At the conclusion of the president's term, the archivist only assumes responsibility, quote, for the presidential records, meaning the records that the president designated and didn't take with him. Plaintiff contends that its factual allegations about the nature and substance of the audio tapes clearly establishes them to be presidential records, regardless of how they were treated by President Clinton, the plaintiff being Judicial Watch. The court is not so sure. 
But even if the court were inclined to agree with the plaintiff's reassessment of President Clinton's decision, it would not alter the conclusion that the injury cannot be redressed. The PRA does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, this responsibility is left solely to the president. Okay, that was the fact check you need to understand the big lie that's being promulgated by uh, the president's, uh, President Trump's, the anti-Trump media, excuse me, leakers in the Justice Department and deep staters in the archives. We know what the law is because we sued about it and we were told by the judge you can't do anything like this because this is what the law of the circuit is. This is what the law is under our Constitution and under Supreme Court precedent. The president is the decider about what records he chooses to retain, keep, or shred, or tear up, or take with him when he leaves the White House. And when they saw that they had records that maybe were covered and uh, would presumably be the sort of records that the president would allow to be uh, kept as presidential records, they turned them over. And that's being turned into by the president's enemies in the Biden administration as an admission he did something wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. And the other big lie is they're somehow comparing it to what Hillary Clinton did. Hillary Clinton created a a non-secure, non-governmental server to conduct government business so she could hide what she was doing from the American people. And she kept government material on that server and then stole it all and deleted half of it, or at least tried to. And we caught her. The president is president of the United States. He can declassify records on his whim. The, The laws are completely different. So the Justice Department that now wants to harass Trump was protecting Hillary on this very issue. Even though what Hillary did was uh, uh, so so uh, wrong under federal law, it's just the number of laws that she potentially violated were so numerous. The fact that she wasn't even uh, seriously considered for prosecution is one of the cor- most corrupt decisions by the Justice Department in modern history. So the left who says don't care about what Hillary did now wants to go after Trump. And I'm saying what Hillary did was quite different than what Trump did. So you can't compare the two. So it's the left that's being hypocritical. And of course, you know, Judicial Watch has this really incredible expertise on the area, in the area. So what does the media do? They call uh, all these anti-Trump experts and quote them. They don't know what the law is. They don't. Or they don't understand how it's applied. I've been driving the left crazy online because I've um, because I've been telling the truth about this. And uh, on my Twitter bio, I've added the phrase fact checker. Because we need fact checkers for the truth. Don't you agree? Not these left wing juveniles who are acting as arms of the government, who are out there trying to suppress information by uh, coming up with different opinions about what is a fact versus what what is a conclusion that people can argue over. So I encourage you uh, to push back against the fact checkers, understand that pretty much everything you hear about 
President Trump's alleged misconduct, I would say on probably everything you should be suspect about. Given the mendacity of the Justice Department and their ilk. So trust me, trust Judicial Watch, they're lying again about President Trump and presidential records. You know, I love Judicial Watch, and I I know I say that a lot because I'm the president of Judicial Watch, but uh, I like the fact that Judicial Watch kind of does this basic work that no one else is willing to do. And I'm always outraged about it, you know, kind of in a half-joking way, because no one else is doing it. And it seems to me kind of the basic things that ought to be done uh, to monitor our government. And no one else does it. And that's especially true in COVID, where Judicial Watch has a number of lawsuits and investigations uh, that try to get at the heart about how COVID emerged and the lies associated with the cover up of uh, our involvement with China and the labs that have been controversial, uh, the controversial labs, and more than one, that have been linked potentially to the emergence of COVID, the government's response the handling of the vaccines, the approvals of the vaccines, Fauci's conduct and, quote, misconduct, unquote. No one's doing more than Judicial Watch, including Congress, including the media. And to that end, we just filed another lawsuit on the boosters. I just read in the news today that the boosters evidently are um, not that good after four months. So you need to get a fourth booster. What a disaster. And the way this whole process has been, um, the FDA's approval of the vaccines have been very controversial. So controversial that those involved in the approval of the vaccines reportedly resigned because of the way things were being done by the FDA. So we sued HHS for records of communications from top FDA officials who, as I say, resigned reportedly over COVID booster shots and the approval, the controversial approval, controversial approval of those shots. We asked for records of communications with um, from Dr. Marlon Gruber and Dr. Philip Krauss, who is the former director and deputy director of the FDA's Office of Vaccine Research and Review. So these are not some muckety mucks that no one under, uh, who isn't who aren't making decisions or are key aren't key decision makers in the FDA. These are top officials in the FDA who evidently resigned because they didn't like the way the FDA was behaving. And again, we asked for the records back in September. It's now what February? No records. All emails sent to and from the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research Director Marlon Gruber regarding the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention CDC, the Advisory Committee on Immunization and or booster vaccines for the prevention or treatment of SARS-CoV-2 and or COVID-19. And similarly, we asked for records about his deputy, Phil Krause. On September 22nd, the FDA approved use of a booster dose of the Pfizer drug. According to the organization's news release, the FDA, quote, amended the emergency use authorization, EUA, for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 COVID-19 vaccine to allow uh, for use of a single booster dose to be administered at least six months after completion of the primary series for people, quote, high risk of severe COVID-19. 
A week before that, Gruber and Krauss were among a group of resigning doctors, so it was more than just them, who agreed that available evidence doesn't indicate, doesn't yet indicate a need for COVID-19 vaccine booster shots among the general population. Also on September 13th, The Lancet, which is a major um, scientific publication, published a paper to which Gruber and Krauss contributed that said, careful and public scrutiny of the evolving data will be needed to assure that the decisions about boosting are informed by reliable science more than, than by politics. Widespread boosting should be undertaken only if there is clear evidence that it is, appro- that it is, that it is appropriate. So we asked for these documents September, what, five months ago, and no documents. They don't have any emails. Of course they do. They're hiding them. Because the FDA, as I said in my release, is politicized and corrupt, and this cover-up shows that how, just how bad that is. The American people have a fundamental right to know about the safety and efficacy of the COVID vaccines and, quote, boosters, especially given that officials in the FDA seem to to have objected to the agency's recommendations about the vaccines. This was one of the most controversial public health decisions. The use of boosters, the vaccines generally, the mandates, the whole push in American history, and Judicial Watch is kind of the only one doing anything to figure out what went on. Isn't that incredible? I'm proud to do the work, and you can see how important your support for Judicial Watch is, because if we weren't doing it, you could bet no one else would be doing it. Not Congress, not the media. The executive branch is hiding the information. The public health establishment, uh, which is both private and governmental, and there's a dotted line between the two because the private relies so much on government money. They don't want any of this to come out. But we're in federal court trying to get the truth for you. It's not only in the public interest, but it's in the interest of the public health that we get the full truth about this. We have crisis after crisis here in the United States, and we've got the COVID, we've got the tyranny of the Biden administration and big tech targeting the civil liberties and rights of Americans. And on top of that, we have our sovereignty being destroyed by the purposeful decision by the Biden administration to open our borders. I mean, when you look at what's happening in the border and the way they're transporting individuals from the border to the interior of the country who have crossed and are present here illegally, you have the Biden administration aiding and abetting illegal immigration, aiding and abetting an invasion by any reasonable measure. And Judicial Watch and a group called Catholic Vote sued Homeland Security and HHS for communications with Catholic charities related to illegal immigration. Now, Catholic Vote is an organization whose name, you might imagine, relates to uh, the interest uh, it has in Catholics and public policy. It's a community of patriotic Americans who believe that the timeless truths of the Catholic faith are good for America. It makes its mission to inspire every Catholic in America to live out the truths of our faith in public life. 
And so what Catholic Vote and Judicial Watch did was we partnered on Freedom of Information Act requests because we have these nominally titled Catholic Charities getting government money, it looks like, to aid and abet this illegal alien smuggling, human smuggling. So Judicial Watch and Catholic Vote uh, asked, again, this was back in September, uh, we filed two sets of requests. All communications between U.S. Customs and Border Patrol and any of the following, the Diocese of Brownsville, Texas, and San Juan, Bishop Daniel Flores in his capacity of the Bishops of the Diocese of Brownsville, Texas, Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley, Sister Norma, Norma Pimentel in her capacity as Executive Director of that Catholic Charities group, the Humanitarian Respite Center in McAllen, Texas. Second um, FOIA is requests to um, U.S. Customs and Border Control. Uh, for communications with the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops regarding those entities I was talking about. Now, Sister Pimentel is an interesting person. I mean, you know, she seems like a nice enough person, but she doesn't uh, seemingly, I don't know what she understands, but she's using tax dollars to pay at least a few illegal immigrants to travel elsewhere in the country. She acknowledged the charity is reimbursed with tax dollars to buy, quote, very few plane and bus tickets for illegal aliens to move throughout the United States. And the other big issue related to this is the uh, public health threat from illegal immigration. And if you want to know where the Biden administration actually, what it actually believes about COVID, they're so concerned about COVID that they don't really care about it being imported in the border through illegal immigration smuggling. In July 2021, a Texas public officer, police officer encountered a COVID-positive illegal immigrant family at a fast food restaurant near the border who had been released by Border Patrol. The family told the officer that Catholic charities of the Rio Grande Valley had, quote, booked all the rooms in the hotel to house undocumented immigrants detained by Border Patrol. The police added that Border Patrol was quarantining other undocumented individuals who are COVID positive or showed symptoms of the illness, then handing them over to the nonprofit, who would then in turn place the undocumented in hotels. And who knows what was happening there? So no one, quote, was being quarantined. And, I, you know, I'm not one who believes that actually, you know, there's anything that can be done about the spread of COVID in the way that we've been told. But on the other hand, we're being told this is completely an opposite to good public health strategy. And this is what the Biden administration is doing through these third party cutouts. And, and uh, the Texas governor, Abbott, had you know, tried to curtail the use of these third party cutouts by issuing an executive order halting the transportation of illegal immigrants by any person other than a federal, state, or law enforcement official. And this is what Catholic Vote had to say about why they're interested in doing this and why they filed the lawsuit with Judicial Watch. We filed it on behalf of Judicial Watch and Catholic Vote. Our lawyers did. 
The Biden administration has refused to provide copies of communications between Catholic-affiliated charities and organizations at the border. Their lack of transparency and obstruction forced us to file these federal lawsuits. American Catholics deserve to know the full extent of the U.S. government's role in funding and coordinating with the Catholic Church-affiliated agencies at the border and what role these agencies played in the record surge of illegal immigrants over the last year. We'll do whatever it is necessary to uncover the truth. And that was from Brian Birch, who's president of Catholic Vote. My, my statement was uh, straightforward. Americans have the right to know about how the Biden administration is conspiring with charities to release illegal immigrants into the United States. It's basic information. So we're facing this unprecedented crisis at the border. And it's bad enough uh, from if you're if you're a Catholic to have your your uh, your church of, uh, mixed up with this illegal activity, and then as a taxpayer to have your tax dollars used to advance illegal activity and the destruction of our country. So there you have it. And you wonder why it sometimes looks like I'm going to explode? It's because of this craziness here with all this corruption. But what I love about Judicial Watch is it's, it, you know, it's frustrating, I know, but at least we are doing something about it. We're using the tools available to us under the law to expose it and hopefully stop it. Because I can tell you, it's not going to be stopped if we don't know what's happening. It may not be sufficient, but it's necessary. So this is, a, this is necessary work to protect our republic, and Judicial Watch is able to do it thanks to you and other supporters who not only support us financially, uh, but uh, share material like this. I encourage you to get the word out. It's as important as your financial support. So with that, I wish you the best, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.